right, well, hello, everybody. My name is Isabella, if we haven't gotten the pleasure of meeting you, or if I haven't gotten the pleasure of meeting you. Um, and I am a junior here at UNG, about to be a senior, which is just crazy to me that this school year is almost over. Um, and tonight I have the pleasure on the last normal BCM of talking to y'all about the book of Third John. So just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you've ever read the book of Third John. Okay, there's a few. Well, good news. After tonight, you're all going to be able to raise your hand um, because we're going to go through the whole thing. So if you will open up to Third John, it's the third to last book in the Bible. We're just going to go ahead. Oh, gosh. We're going to go ahead and just read the whole thing right now, just so we know what we're jumping into. Um, so Third John, it says, The Elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. My dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a, in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friends, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to come before you right now and just ask that you would give me the words to say. God, I pray that it would not be my words up here speaking, but that you would be speaking through me, Lord. And I pray that you would open the ears of everyone in this room just to hear what you were trying to say uh, from the book of Third John, Lord. Um, I just pray that you would um, just allow us to listen and just be open to what you're speaking through me, Lord. Uh, I thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, obviously, the book of Third John is a letter. It is a letter written by John to a man named Gaius, who was most likely a leader of one or more churches in the area of Asia Minor. Um, and he's writing this letter to Gaius to praise him for the way that he has been conducting the church, the way that he has been acting as a leader in this church. And he's also criticizing a man named Diotrephes, who was also a leader of another church in the area. Um, and he's criticizing him in the way that he's conducting. He's kind of comparing the two people um, in this letter to Gaius. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, how does that apply to us? How do we um, take what is written in this letter and apply it to us? 
because uh, it seems like, well, he's just praising Gaius and criticizing Diotrephes right here. But in reality, there's so much in here, and there's just going to kind of hit the high points. But how we should be acting as members of the church, how we should be acting as a body of believers to those outside of the church and also to fellow believers. Um, and so we're just going to kind of break it apart, the things that Gaius is being praised for and what Diotrephes is being criticized for, and just see how um, we can apply that to our lives. Um, so starting, just like John did, we're going to start with how he praises Gaius. So if we reread verse 3, it says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. So the first thing that Gaius does really, really well is he is faithful to the truth. Um, John, in the Gospel of John, talks a lot about truth. That is his big thing, truth and love. He talks about that over and over and over again. Um, this semester, I have been reading through all the, the Gospels, and I'm just now on the Gospel of John, which works out really well because I'm speaking on Third John. So you can really see the overlap and how he continues this theme of truth and love. Um, the word truth actually appears 55 times in just the Gospel of John. Um, and there's only 21 chap chapters, which means that it appears about 2.6 times per chapter, which is way more than it appears in any of the other Gospels. Now, that's not to say that Jesus didn't talk about truth as much, that John was just adding it in there, but John just found it so important to mention all of the times that Jesus talked about truth because being faithful to the truth was so important to him. We see in verse 4 that it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now you might be asking, well, why is this truth so important to him? Why does it bring him no greater joy? And that's because Jesus was the truth that John had built his life on. Jesus is the truth that we are building our lives on. So it should be so important to us. We should be faithful to this truth that we claim to be following not partially faithful, but fully faithful, completely faithful, completely believing in the truth that we claim to be following as a member of the church, as a Christian. Um, you can read in Revelation 3.16, which was also written by John. Um, it says, starting actually in verse 15, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Right here he's talking about being on fire for the Lord, believing in the Lord. You can't be lukewarm. You can't half believe something. If I were to stand up here and tell you that I can do a backflip, you either believe me or you don't. You don't half believe that I can do a backflip, which if you don't believe that I can do a backflip, you're correct. I can't do that. Um, not that talented. But you either believe that I can or you don't. If you say, well, I think, then that means know that you probably don't believe that I can do a backflip. And that's how it is with Christianity. You either believe that Jesus came and that he died on the cross and he rose again three days later, or you don't. You don't half believe it because that's not something that you can half believe in. And in the same way, that's not something that you can half be faithful to. So that is what Gaius was doing. He was fully faithful to the truth. And that is what we should be doing as members of the church, as believers. We should be fully faithful to this truth that we are following after. And so if we continue on, we see what his faithfulness to the truth has led him to. 
If we continue reading verses 5 through 8, it says, Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. Now, because Gaius has been faithful to the truth, he is then showing this hospitality to strangers, to other believers. And he is welcoming these new people that he has never met into the church, these other missionaries who are out preaching the gospel. And we should be doing the same. We should be showing love to fellow believers. Obviously, we should be showing love to everyone. But I think sometimes we can get so caught up in our beliefs and the smaller details that we forget that people down the street, people who are different denominations than us, they believe the same thing about Jesus that we do. They believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again three days later. So why should we not be welcoming to them? Why should we not be hospitable to them? Why should we not be showing them love? Um, and so that is what Gaius is doing here, and I think that's what we can really take away from this right here, is that we should be hospitable and open to every type of believer, not just people who are the same denomination as you, not just people who think the exact same as you, but everyone who claims to be a Christian, everyone who is following after Jesus, we should be showing love to them, the kind of brotherly love that Gaius was showing right here. It says in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31, Jesus is talking, and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Now that first part, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is being faithful to the truth. That is following after the truth that Jesus died on the cross and rose again three days later. But the second part, the love your neighbor as yourself, that means going out and being hospitable and being open to everyone around you. And how I see this directly applying to us, who is more our neighbor than Wesley right down the street? But how often do we close ourselves off as BCM? Like, oh, we're just BCM. We don't want to include Wesley or CCF or Revive. And we think, oh, well, we're just going to be BCM. But no, we should be working together to reach the people on our campus. John, in this letter, is praising Gaius for accepting and welcoming everyone who preaches the name of Jesus. This is why we started doing the prayer on Thursday morning, where we're trying to invite other campus ministries because we don't want it to just be BCM praying on campus, singing songs around the fountain. We want it to be a body of believers coming together to pray for a revival on our campus, to pray for salvation. Imagine if all of the campus ministries and all of the churches, no matter the denomination, came together to share about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we focused on that, because that is what we all have in common. We worry about all the finer details about who believes this, about that, and whatever. But we focus on the thing that we have in common, and we preach that to our campus. What kind of revival could take place if we were working together, if we were open, if we were coming together as a body of believers to preach the name of Jesus. That is what Gaius was doing. He was opening his church to all kinds of believers that were preaching the name of Jesus. 
And that is what we should be doing as members of the church. That is what we should be doing as believers on campus, is being faithful to the truth, and that will lead you to being hospitable to others, to loving others, no matter what finer details you might disagree on. Now, if we keep reading in the chapter, we John kind of transitions from praising Gaius to kind of criticizing Diotrephes. Um, and if we read in verse 9, it says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So the first thing that we see that Diotrephes is doing, that John is criticizing him for, is he is loving to be first. That is the first thing that John tells us about him, is that he loves to be first. Can you imagine if when you were introduced to somebody, they said, oh, this is Isabella. She loves to be first. Like, no one wants to be introduced that way. That should not be the defining characteristic that you have. We, Jesus, he tells a story, um, well, not really a story. He's talking to a bunch of Pharisees in Luke 14. He's having dinner with them. Luke 14, verses 8 through 11. And he says, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the seat of least importance. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that your host comes and he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, whenever I first read through this, it made me think back to when I was in high school. I ran cross country. Um, not to brag, I was on JV all four years of high school. Um, uh, not really bragging about that. Um, but I didn't care all that much. I did it because I stay in shape and it was fun. My friends did it. Um, but the thing about being on JV is there's normally a lot of people who run JV. So whenever you get up to the start line, you have a box that's probably from me, maybe to that other mic stand, and you have to fit about 20 people in that box. Now, obviously, 20 people cannot line up from me to the mic stand, so you have to make rows. Like, normally the fastest people will be in front, and then there's another line of the second fastest people, and it just kind of goes back like that. Um, and that's not necessarily a spoken rule. It's more of an unspoken rule that everybody just kind of understands that the fastest people are going to be at the front. Um, now, without a doubt, there is always some freshman, it's always a freshman, who thinks that they are the fastest and they want to start on the start line, even though they are not the fastest. And someone, usually someone who's faster than them, has to come and tell them, hey, you have to get to the back. So then they have to push their way through all the people to get to the back where it's hard to start, where you might trip and fall, all because they thought that they were fast. But instead, they got humbled and they had to move to the back of the line. Now that's kind of not exactly, but it's on the same lines of what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about taking the place of honor, but he is telling us to take the place of least honorable. And if we reread verse 11, it says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you exalt yourself in the beginning, you are going to end up being humbled by something. This world will inevitably humble you. 
no matter what. You might think that you are the greatest thing since sliced bread, but something is going to humble you in this world. But Jesus is telling us, if you humble yourself at the beginning, then the Lord will exalt you. When we get to heaven, he will exalt you because you have humbled yourself to begin with. And that is the opposite of what Diotrephes is doing. And that is what John is criticizing him for in this um, letter. We can also read in 1 Peter 5.5, which is just a few pages back from 3 John. It says... In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see instances of it telling us to humble ourselves. In Proverbs 3, 34, Philippians 2, 3, Proverbs 18, 12, Romans 12, 3, there are so many places throughout Scripture where it is telling us to humble ourselves, to put other people above ourselves. Now, why should we be actively seeking to put other people above ourselves? Because Jesus put our eternity above his own life. So why should we not humble ourselves? Why should we not put other people above ourselves? If... Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth, can put his own life below our eternity, below our salvation, then who are we to not humble ourselves for other people? Because we're all sinners in the Lord's eyes. We are not better than the other person just because you, you might have a worldly achievement. No, we are all the lowest of the low, and Jesus still died for us. So we should be humbling ourselves before the Lord, and we should be humbling ourselves before each other. And that is what John is saying that Gaius didn't, or that is what John is saying that Diotrephes didn't do. He loved to be first. And because he loved to be first, he was not welcoming to other people. If we continue reading in verse 10, it says, So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. He is spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Now just talking about the first part of that verse, it says that he's spreading malicious nonsense about John and about other believers and the people who started these churches. Diotrephes is talking bad about them. He's trying to turn the church against them. He's spreading this malicious nonsense, all because he loves to be first, all because of his pride. He thinks that he's better than them, and he thinks that he can turn the church against them. Now, our tongue is something that comes up over and over in scripture as well. Um, James talks about this in James 3, 9 through 12, it says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Now right here, he's just calling attention to what people have been doing. They're praising the Lord, but at the same time, they're cursing other people. That's what Diotrephes was doing here. He was praising the Lord. He was giving praise to Jesus, but he was cursing John. And James 
it says this cannot be. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? He's saying that good things and bad things can't flow from the same source. If they're flowing from the same source, then the good thing is not that good because it's always going to be tainted by the bad thing. If you are cursing other people, then any praises that you're giving to the Lord will always be tainted by those curses. And so we have to be so careful about what we're saying, about who we are talking to, about the words we are using about our fellow believers when you might think that they're not listening. Because maybe they're never going to hear what you say about them, but the Lord is hearing. And you are cursing them with the same mouth that then you come in here and you're singing praises to him. And John is saying that this is not okay, that we should not be doing this. You cannot be spreading malicious nonsense about other people and still be praising the Lord. And because of his tongue and because of his pride, he was turning people away. He was doing the exact opposite of what Gaius was doing. He was doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing, being open to fellow believers, but instead he was shutting the door on them because he loved to be first and because he thought he was better than John. He was shutting the door on them. And he was not being welcoming. He was not being hospitable. He was not united to fellow believers because of his pride and because of his tongue. And so John finishes out this chapter, this letter to Gaius. um, And he says, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. And he is just encouraging Gaius to keep on doing the good that he was doing, the good that he has been doing, while also reminding him to not fall into the trap of pride, of thinking that you are better than other people, of talking bad about other people. And so that is what I want to finish with, encouraging you to keep on doing the good that you have been doing, but also watch out for these traps that you might fall into. Be faithful to the truth, the truth that we all claim to believe, the truth that we have built our lives on, that Jesus died on the cross and then three days later was raised again. That is the truth that we all believe on. Be faithful to that truth. And because of that truth, be unified with other believers. Don't worry about the differences that you may have between them, but be focused on the things that you have in common, the truth that you have in common. Humble yourself to not be first. Realize that you are not as good as you might think you are and that God is always better. And so we should be humbling ourselves before him and humbling ourselves before each other. Because if we are humbling ourselves, then it's so much easier to be unified with other believers. And finally, tame your tongue. Watch the words that you are saying to not speak poorly of others, but to let your words be uplifting and be encouraging. And so I just pray that as I close out, that you would just be reminded of these things and that you would take these as you go out and that these would be your focus because this is what we should be striving to do as members of the church 
and as a body of believers. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for giving me this time and giving me these words that I've spoken. Um, I pray that everyone in here, that you would have touched their hearts and that they would not forget what you spoke to them, Lord, but that they would just be reminded of this every single day, that they would be reminded to be faithful to your truth and just to be unified with other believers, no matter what differences they might have. Um, I just thank you that we have this amazing opportunity to come together and study your word, Lord. Um, I pray that you would keep everyone safe as they go out and that you would bring all of us back next week uh, just together and praising you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name I pray.